Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. Charlotte and I both almost forgot what we do, what our titles are. (laughs) Were you reading yours? No. Oh. If I was reading it, I would have known. (laughs) I also wouldn't have said you, weak. I think I really (laughs) emphasized weak. Okay. Anyway, I hope you have a good week. (laughs) And uh, thank you for tuning in this week to the Gospel Discussion for Faith to Go. (laughs) We're going to be talking about, bless you, Greg. The Gospel for Proper 17, this upcoming week for Sunday, September 3rd. Before that, though... Yes, David, before that, (laughs) I'm wondering if you would share with the podcast listeners Mm. a place that you saw or felt God's presence in your life. And it can be either a consolation or a desolation. I was introduced to this kind of music called kirtan from the Hindu tradition. And it's a lot of like mantras and chanting and stuff. And it uses like a, a lot of stuff uses like a drone. And so I borrowed a harmonium from a friend and it's just like really beautiful music. You know, every tradition has this kind of like chanting mantra, kind of repetitive mm-hmm. music all for the same purpose, you know, of like being really meditative and getting you to this kind of like very present place. But it was something I'd never heard of before. I was introduced to it by by a friend and like it was just so cool to to have to have that introduction to it and like it's been going through my head for like a week or six weeks now <laughs> or like two months really since uh it was first introduced to me and like it's just so beautiful and from a totally different tradition, you know, than yeah. than my own. You know, I was born and raised in the Episcopal Church. I had two Episcopal priests as parents and like uh, I've just I've just been so embedded in the Episcopal tradition for so long, and I've had the chance to like read about and learn about uh, a lot of other world religions in in my you know academic time and just in in my life. It's very interesting to me. But like this is the first time that I've really been introduced and invited into like an actual like practice of another religion, you know, like, and so it's really it's it was just been such a blessing uh, to f- to feel God's presence in this other this this totally other kind of cultural religious tradition, you know, in a different language than my own. I've been like singing words that I don't know what they mean, really, you know. But there's something about it that is so there's some sort it's like an invitation into such a, a beautiful kind of like mystery and something about it. I know that the words are are nice. I know that like to translate them they'd be about things that I am about, you know, about like God and connection and the universe and like the beauty of the cosmos and, and other people and things like that. So so I've just been singing all these Sanskrit words that I don't know really. Mm. Doing these mantras and, and chanting and, and singing with these with a drone and stuff and it's like really been so centering and really resonated with me. So I'm just really appreciative of like people in my life that have like different practices than mine and like that are different than me and that like invite me into, you know, new experiences. And sometimes I try things and and they really don't resonate. And then I'm happy that I tried Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I'm done with it. But yeah, this has been like really, this really stuck with me and it's been really, really beautiful, you know, and like just in my own spiritual journey, my own kind of journey with Christianity, just trying to like find my place and where I am. I'm like, I feel very solidly like I am a Christian and I 
am so interested in other spiritual traditions and I want to, I just love experimenting and learning about other things. And then they inform my, my understanding of God and of Jesus and Christianity, you know? And so it's really kind of nice to, to move outside of my comfort zone in my own, you know, thinking. Like the first time we sat down and tried to play these Kirtan songs, I was like, what am I doing? What is this? <laughs> Not that I was like, I'm not allowed to sing these songs. It was like, I don't know any of these words. Yeah. I'm so unfamiliar with this style of music. I'm used to like getting a set of guitar chords and figuring out the rhythm and then knowing how to sing it in English. And this is just like not that. There's some songs that are like that, but it's just much different, you know. And so, but now it feels very comfortable and, and wonderful. So yeah. anyway, that's where I felt God. I love week. that. And several things came up for me as you were talking about it is like, I think that some of that is the way that we love our neighbors Mm -hmm. is that by being open to how they feel and experience God Mm -hmm. um, and that there's something so holy Mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But also that invitation of sometimes the words are written on our heart. Like Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily have to know. I've worshiped with a bunch of congregations that Mm -hmm. worship in languages that are not English, Mm -hmm. which is my comfort language. Mm -hmm. And in the music, particularly in the prayers and in the music, um, I am cracked open the same way mm-hmm. as if it was in my own mm-hmm. language because mm-hmm. of the holiness of it. Of yeah. the and the, it's connecting to God through connecting to the people that you're worshiping with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. We would love to know if you've had any similar experiences like this, or if you like uh, identify as like a multiple religious practitioner. We'd love to know those stories too. There's so many different ways of experiencing God in the world and so many, there are as many different ways of experiencing God as there are human beings. So we'd love to know how you connect with God, you know, what your practices have been, uh, whether that's new practices that you found within your own tradition or practices that you found in a tradition other than the one you, you know, are, are most familiar with mm. and grew up with. So having heard that Reflection. Beautiful God sighting. Beautiful God sighting. We'd love to hear uh, what your God sighting has been. We'd also love to hear about your ministry context if you'd like to share anything about it. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can always email us, faith2go@edsd.org, or you can message us or tag us on Instagram at faith2go. Uh, and you can find all the ways of getting in contact with us listed in the description for the episode. And now we're going to move on to our gospel discussion for this week. Charlotte is going to read the gospel again for Proper 17 in year A for this Sunday, September 3rd, 2023. I will have a little bit of context, very minimal, since we're very close to last week's gospel mm-hmm. reading. And then we'll each have a point. So the gospel is Matthew 16, 21 to 28. Take it away, Charlotte. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? 
For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, here we are, Matthew chapter 16, same chapter as last week, and this is just the very next story. Yes. So, Poor amazing. Peter. <laughs> Poor Peter. What a roller coaster for Peter. Real whiplash here for Peter, because last week, if you remember, Peter was being praised by Jesus for saying he's the son of man, and now he's being rebuked for saying that Jesus should not suffer, die, and be raised on the third day. Understandably so. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want your friends to suffer and die, even if they say they're going to be raised. You've maybe never seen somebody raised from the dead. Why would you think that your friend was going to be raised from the dead? I don't know. I'm not in Peter's head, but I can imagine Peter's dismay at hearing Jesus' thoughts. That's where we are, though. We're still on the way to Jerusalem, and Jesus is just talking to his disciples about what is to come. Remember, we talked last week about this kind of like shift in the gospel to to Jesus, starting to talk a lot about his suffering and death, and and so we're in the middle of that shift towards Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I have the first point. You do. So I will just keep talking. (laughs) <laughs> my point my point is the is a, is at the end here or at least that's the jumping off point for my point this last verse truly i tell you there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom and i was thinking about this and i was thinking about this phrase taste death i love this phrase taste death i was wondering why doesn't jesus just say die instead of taste death. Like there's other ways for Jesus to say this thing that he's talking about. Because when I've always read this, I've, I've thought, and I think this is the, you know, the, the popular understanding of this verse here, is that Jesus is saying like, there are some of you that will still be alive when I come back, right? In the second coming mm-hmm. or whatever. Not, ended up not being true, unfortunately for them. Uh, I'm, unless there's some 2,000-year-old people walking around. Could be. Could be. Who knows? Some immortals out there. <laughs> <laughs> there's some shows about that. Just assuming that they died. They all died. All the people listening there died, and the second coming is yet to happen. The traditional way of thinking about it. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe Jesus means something else. Then they're not going to die before the Son of Man returns. And so I was thinking, okay, what is Jesus talking about right before this? Well, he's talking about dying to yourself, right? He's talking about letting go of your life, losing your life to find it. And for what will it profit if you gain the world but forfeit your life? And so I think that Jesus is not talking about martyrdom, you know, being physically dying, I think he's talking about all those ways in our life, on our journey towards fullness and and wholeness and towards the kingdom of heaven that he's describing. The kingdom of heaven that I think Jesus believed could exist here now. Mm -hmm. All those things that we have to let go of and and die to. And I think tasting death, tasting death is a thing that is is an internal and an external thing. You know, because when a, when a person dies that we love, that is tasting death. And I think that I, both, of, both of my parents have died. They both died before I was 30, about 10 years apart. My mom died when I was 20. My dad died when I was 29, right before George was born. The experience of someone dying, especially someone dying suddenly, 
is so surreal. Mm-hmm. It's so out of the ordinary, certainly. But it, my experience both times was like, on that day, that moment, both times I learned over the phone that they had died. I spent that day kind of like in a haze walking around, but also I was in the world walking around with people that were just having a normal day. It was so weird. It's like all these people are just going about their day, grocery shopping, they're picking up their kids, they're just like moving through the world. And I'm having this like traumatic, crazy, mm-hmm. otherworldly experience, you know. But that, I think, is like the perspective shift that Jesus actually wants for all of us to realize that every day is not just a normal day where just things are happening. There is like this deep reality that's undergirding everything. So it's not that I was like sucked out of reality for a moment. It was like I was sucked into reality for that day, for that week, for that in that time. That like these moments of death, tasting death, connect us to the divine, to the absolute, to the real thing that's going on all the time, to that thing that's transcending all this other stuff that we're doing all the time to get whatever, money, status, sometimes just trying to survive the day, which are all fine things. We can't be in this place of tasting death every moment of every day. That's like crazy. It's unsustainable probably. But like those moments are anchors, I think. They're like they, they ground us down, they, they tap us into the real river of life that transcends what we are doing, you know, on a daily basis. And so this idea that Jesus is telling them is this crazy radical idea that like the thing you've been told is the point of your life, which is to gain status and wealth and comfort. That is not your life. That is not your life. Your life is something deeper and more significant than that. Your life is connected to the life of every other person. Mm-hmm. Your life is something that you take part in. Your individual life is a participation in the life of God and spirit that we all are participating in. So as long as you're believing yourself to have a separate life, you are dead. You are not really living in the world. You're living in some other reality. And so I think there's a lot of ways that we taste death. Actual death that we experience is one way, but that I think does that same kind of anchoring, sucking down kind of thing. And if we're able to like process it and have people in communities that can hold it with us, if we can really hold the ramifications of it, if we can hold and process and integrate that experience, I think we live closer to that like flow of reality that's always happening. And then on a more kind of particular and smaller scale, we're always invited to taste death by letting go of these things that we're striving for, letting go of this striving for status or for looking a certain way or, or people thinking about us a certain way, letting go of the drive to accumulate wealth and, and things like that. And like losing that life to live into the communal life of the spirit that God is inviting us to, that Jesus is using the word kingdom to describe ultimately. I think it's just a beautiful phrase to taste death. And I think like as a person that has tasted death, I continue to want in a weird kind of morbid way to taste it. Not that I want people to die (laughs) around me, but there's something that is attractive to me now. Like, again, not in a way that I want it to happen, but When someone experiences death, like when I have a friend whose parent dies or whose 
pet dies or something. I like, I want to be a person that approaches death. I want to be a person that goes towards death rather than away from it. And I was always struck by the people that called me on the phone when my parents died, you know, left a message or something. I think I didn't really want to talk to them, but the fact that they tried meant a lot to me, even if they left a message or something. When someone experiences death, when someone tastes death, I think we have a natural reaction to like not leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that is born out of our fear of death. Henry Nouwen had this beautiful idea of like these movements in our life. And one of them was of moving from being afraid of death to befriending death. And I always loved that idea. It's not that we want to create death in the world, but that like when we can befriend death, we're, we're like closer to transcendence, I think in some way. So one of the things that came up for me as you were talking and, you know, maybe podcast listeners know, maybe they don't, but you and I have some similar Mm -hmm. journey Mm -hmm. in our life. And so many of those things that happen in our early lives and those times that death is part of them feel like things that happen to us. Mm -hmm. And when you said, I want to taste death, right? Like that I want to, I want to be someone that goes towards it. Well, then that takes the passivity out of the action of it just being something that happens to you. The experiences that I've had in my life, losing my mom at 20, the same as, as you, changed the scope of my life. Yeah. Um, and not just as in what I do for a career or where I live or anything like that, but who I am as a human being mm-hmm. was quantifiably mm-hmm. shaped mm-hmm. by that experience. I'm curious about like that, that reframing, um, that noticing of opportunity of going towards it, of wanting to be the person that walks with other people when they are navigating it in the time that they are changed, but accepting the fact that we will be changed also. Mm-hmm. And I think that that actually takes us to my point, which today I'm going to take you on the journey to mm. a point. Take me. <laughs> I did this with David and he's like, Lead I me. love that you're unpacking it this way. And so I'm like, you know what? We're just going to let the listeners Let's hear yeah. the process of how a point is formed. <laughs> and so today, how it's made, how it's made a point. by Charlotte Pressler. Um, so, I was immediately struck by the fact that Peter is a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it struck me so hard this week was because just a few verses earlier, Peter was a rock that the church was built on. Mm -hmm. So here we have these two very different kinds of stone, one which is foundational, literally, and one that is an impediment, um, an obstacle in your journey. And thinking about it through the lens of like, what does that say about us and our experiences that sometimes are both foundational and get in the way of, of what we are doing. So I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about the things that get between us and God and Jesus's line here at the end, which is also part of what you were talking about, which is you were focusing on tasting death. But in that same line, we say, truly, I tell you that there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. And so I was thinking about the kingdom again. And back to last week, when we talked about the different ways that Christianity is expressed within the world. And I'm fairly sure, David, that in your time, in your time as an Episcopalian and as a Christian, Mm -hmm. 
that you have seen pictures or illustrations of God on a fluffy white cloud <laughs> with a white beard. Sure. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen depictions of pearly gates? Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Maybe St. Peter standing outside of them? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these things that were perhaps part of my childhood, these images that were prevalent everywhere, yeah. were a lot of how people thought and spoke about what kingdom was, about mm-hmm. getting to the kingdom of heaven. And yet, neither of those things have anything to do with what Jesus teaches us about the kingdom, yeah. right? Like Jesus's teachings about the kingdom, first we have the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And so we have all of these upside down blessings, things that we don't think would be a blessing, but Jesus is like, oh no, <laughs> you are blessed. And then we have the greatest commandment and the call to love God and to love each other with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And then we have parable upon parable upon parable, trying to help us, the disciples, and then us, understand what this kingdom is. And that took me to the Pearl of Great Price. Mm -hmm. And we just talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I have something different to say than I had to say a couple of weeks ago um, in relationship to this gospel. Mm -hmm. And that is in the Pearl of Great Price, which I'm going to go ahead and read because it's two verses long. We have, (laughs) again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this merchant who is searching for the kingdom finds it and sells everything that he has in order to have it for himself. Gives up everything he knows about the world in order to have it, right? Um, And in the godly play story, that entails like you take his bed (laughs) and you move it over to the room where the person is that has the pearl. You Mm. take his lamp, you take his chest, Mm. you take his cloak. And then you go so far as to roll up the felt that is his house (laughs) and take it to the merchant and give that Mm. to him too. So there is literally a void Mm -hmm. and the merchant there holding the pearl. Mm. And that's how the, before you have the wondering with the students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I was struck by today is that means that someone sold it. Mm -hmm. So instead of selling everything you have to be part of this kingdom, this kingdom that is about all of us and that interconnection that you were talking about in your point, instead, there is this other person who maybe is also part of who we are Mm -hmm. at times in this world who was willing to look away from the kingdom, to separate themselves from the kingdom in order to have all of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk about that, Uh right? Like we don't talk about those times in our life when we do those things. And there are a whole bunch of parables that are all around this one. It's it's like two verses by two verses by two verses, all of these different parables. But in all of them, there is this question of like what the person does in order to be in the kingdom, to be part of Mm -hmm. God's work, to travel with Jesus, to have all these upside down blessings and love Mm -hmm. our neighbors as ourselves and create equity and fairness and love in the world. Mm But in all of those, there's another way of being. Mm -hmm. There's another side of it. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about that in relation to today's scripture and thinking about the fact that like the difference between being a rock that the church is built upon and being a stumbling block Mm -hmm. is the decisions that we make every single day Mm -hmm. about partnering in the work of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. 
That was a very nice last sentence right there. Oh. See? <laughs> if we were going to make like a title card with a quote on it, it would be that. Oh. I can see it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have all these parts in us, I think, you know, like we have a Peter in us and we have a Jesus in us and we have like this part that yearns for that, for, for newness, for something new and different and to sell all the things. We have the merchant and the person that sold the pearl inside of us, you know, and throughout our life, we're going to make both of those decisions. We're going to desperately deny the part that wants something bigger and different for the sake of security, like Peter does to Jesus. And we're going to have times in our life where we sell the pearl. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be times in our life where we sell everything to have the pearl. And making the decision one time isn't the last time we're ever going to have the opportunity. I know, know, right? I hope. (laughs) (laughs) Or if I've made the right choice, could that be the... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're all just doing our best. Yes, every day. We're all doing our best. Mm -hmm. All right, well, those are our two points for today. Point number one was mine, about tasting death. I'm going to get this on a shirt or something. I really like it. The more I say it, I love it. I think that actually what we're going to have is like a wordle. And with all of the different things, because we also have take heart. Mm -hmm. So we have take heart and Mm -hmm. taste death and... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a word cloud? Yeah. I like that. Uh-huh. A word cloud shirt. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get the merch department on that. <laughs> it's Greg. It's Greg. I was going to say as David Greg's gestures to Greg. <laughs> Number two was Charlotte's. Thinking about if there's someone buying the Pearl of Great Price, there's also somebody selling it, you know, and wondering at those different times in our life when we're choosing to participate in this radical, different, upside down kingdom of heaven. And sometimes we're not, you know, and trying to become aware of those, those different times in our lives. So having heard those two points, we'd love to know what your point would have been if you'd been on the pod this week as our guest, our third point. We'd also love to hear from you about your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection about your ministry context, about your God sightings, about your practices of your, of your religious tradition or another, if you do that kind of thing. We will be back next week to talk about Proper 18 for September 10th. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.